What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 107 of the VK Bros, wow. uh, also known as our two-year anniversary. Is that today? It is today. I realize today. Happy birthday to it's us. It's also your birthday yesterday. Yeah, well, that's how I know, because the first ever pod got uploaded on my birthday in 2020. There you go. So it's easy to remember, which is uh, very important for me these days, because as a parent of two young children, uh, trying to remember all important dates like birthdays and anniversaries and all that sort of stuff, very, very difficult. So having stuff on the same day is very helpful. That's a cheap hack for everyone out there. Yeah, and speaking of parenting, uh, we are at my house today because obviously uh, schedules aligned to do it down here. And Amanda is at work, so I've got the baby monitor set up, and Jake is currently asleep. So if you see me shoot out at all during the pod, Alex is just going to hold down the fort on his own while I go and put him back to bed. And we are holding the mics in a very weird way, because I think last time we did we did it, I had obliterated these mic stands, mm. so I'm too scared to fold the mic stands back in. Yeah. So we're just going to hold them like this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so. I want to start with the PSYOP. That is Instagram. All right, let's go. So remember I was whinging a while ago, a little while ago, about how my reels had changed? Well, not reels, but the format of my Instagram had changed to where I think it was trying to mimic TikTok. They didn't say anything yeah, they yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. And I had put on my Insta, hey, is anyone... Does, like, how do you mute videos? Remember I said you can't mute mm-hmm. videos? The, the button in the bottom right corner had disappeared. That button now turned into a button that went to other videos that had the same sound. Mm. Like, super dumb user experience. Yeah. Like, the worst user experience. Anyway, it turned back. Right. Apparently, a whole bunch of celebrities had whinged about it, and they'd flicked it back. Yeah, because I did hear that they were doing some selective testing. So, it was only well, certain devices that... I was on. the only person that I know that had it like that. So, you're, the, so you're a celebrity. You're the most famous person that you know, then. Well... It has, has uh, being a celebrity has its downsides because <laughs> I'm part of a new one. Right. The new one is now. I'm. I would call myself on Instagram. I'm a power user. I send a lot of memes. Like I'm a meme. I'm a strong meme. I customize memes to what I think yeah. my network likes. You send an. You send an irritatingly high amount of memes to me yeah. every day. Quality, quality stuff. Everything I send is very, very tailored to the person that I'm sending it to. I have a bunch of people on roll. I'll never stop doing it. I love it, and. Instagram is obviously trying to stop me right? because they've changed my send algorithm to what I can only identify as a completely random set of names that hasn't changed. So when you'd usually hit the little send button, Mm -hmm. it used to bring up in order of uh, like... Was it most recent or the amount of people, the amount of interaction you have with people? I think it's the amount of interaction. It's what it used to be. Yeah, because that makes sense. Now, it's random people in my list, random celebrity accounts that I never interact with. Like, I never send a message to... It, they're trying to welcome you into the fold of the elites, mate. You're, you're obviously no, but, the famous person. They're trying to encourage you to message celebrities. These celebrities are waiting for you to reach out to them. They want your memes. It sucks. You're not even on the list. So I have to s- <laughs> I'm as far away from being a celebrity as you can I get. To, I, I have, cut my own hair. <laughs> I have to search. I have to search uh, to, like, to send you something. Mm. Look, there's a lot of A's at the top. JB Hi-Fi. 
I've never... They're third on the list. They're third on the list. Uh, a group chat that I reckon I've, I've probably sent two messages ago two years ago. Yeah. Um, Maybe you use so much bandwidth that they're trying to handbrake you. They're trying to slow you down because you're slowing down the whole service. I, it looks slightly, slightly, slightly alphanumeric. Yeah, but it makes no sense. Like, do you even follow JB Hi-Fi? No. So it makes no sense. Like, my name is Jason. We start with the same letter. Yeah. But they just insert a business that no, you don't even follow. Okay, but it's person, person, company, person, person, company, person, person. Okay. Okay. So they're just trying to sneak in extra advertising. They're just little reminders. Mm. That's what it is. Because okay. the... So yet again, Zuckerberg, your team at Instagram is failing. Yeah. We, we spoke about this the other day. I think... Was it Facebook's marketplaces? <clears throat> Sorry, Facebook's usership is, is dropping. No, it's had a resurgence. Yeah. But Instagram is falling away. Mm. You can see why. They, they, I don't know what they are thinking. Yeah. What, why, are you, why do you want to sponsor? Having JB Hi-Fi there makes me not want to go to JB Hi-Fi. Yeah. Because you've literally made the life that I spend outside of your shop harder. Yeah, and I just think it... It's just a look of desperation. Like you remember, I think it was probably six months ago, I think we would have mentioned it on here, when all of a sudden Instagram just ramped up the amount of ads. So when you'd like watch people's stories up the top, it would go, it used to be story from person you knew, story from person you knew, story person from you knew, ad. And then it just overnight was like story, ad, story, ad, ad, yeah, so story. Yeah, so mine's like that. But t- so mine's like... Five stories, then an ad. Tasha's is three stories, then an ad. But she buys stuff off Instagram. I never do. Yeah, okay. Maybe maybe they have put in an advertising algorithm which is centered around the functions you mo- mostly use on the platform. So oftentimes, if I go on Instagram, I'm a story watcher. So I'll just, it'll be flick up. And unless the, the feed's got something that I want to look at on like the first spot... I usually just go straight to stories and I click on the people that I like following mm. and seeing their stuff and I click through a couple of the stories and then that's usually me out. And then sometimes I'll just jump to the search function after that just to look at, I don't know, if I'm trying to kill some time or whatever. It seems like you spend a lot of your time messaging people or forwarding uh, content. So maybe they're just trying to slip advertising in where where your algorithm says you spend most of your time. That would make sense. I mean, it's shit. it's a shit business model. And it makes for a terrible user experience, but it would be a reasonable explanation for why it's happening. Well, I think I'd said two weeks ago that I had booked in with a session with a like a business coach, mm-hmm. and the day it was amazing. It was amazing, and that kind of falls into something. One of the things that he had said was only focus on the customer's experience. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Build your whole world around the customer experience mm-hmm. and the rest will come. Yep. I think because they're so big, it doesn't matter. Why? Oh, what's happening? I'm um, just watching the baby monitor here a little bit. Speaking of customer experience, I'm not paying attention to Alex because yeah. uh, Jake has just started kicking a little bit. So you explain your story and I'll go and put him back to sleep. Like we before baby monitors, what happened? What did we do before baby monitors? Oh, they could, he could just wake up completely and then we couldn't do this at all. Yeah, so where the where the session was so amazing, and where I think 
Instagram has kind of lost their way is there seems to be no focus on the user. It's like they've got a team that they, I can imagine what the meeting would be like. The meeting's like, hey, how do we get these advertisers in people's faces more often? Let's focus on that. As opposed to, hey, what is the best way to integrate these brands into the customer's experience without hurting the customer experience? And they're hurting it. Look, I must have opted into like to become a uh, like a test bed, but I've not seen one good change. It sucks. And then, conversely to the, to that, like I, I can in that previous thing that they tried to test on me, they were trying to mimic TikTok poorly, but they're trying to mimic TikTok. And then you've got YouTube and doing YouTube Shorts, flawless flawlessly youtube shorts is what now i don't use tiktok but i've been i have seen some tiktoks and that user experience is very good as well but youtube's just got it now it's sitting there it's not intrusive the only thing i think it the youtube shorts ruins is that the shorts show up in your history whereas it should separate the history yeah so the shorts are only like Sometimes are only like ten seconds. Yeah. So if you if you'd watch like the first minute of a fifty minute long video, you want to come back to later, yeah. and then you go back to your library, and it's got eighteen shorts in front of it yeah. that you've already seen one hundred percent. Eighteen. It's only a quiet day for me. <laughs> yeah. Thirty. But yeah. So that I, I I want to be part of the test because I want to see what the new technology around the corner is. But at the same time, it sucks because it's just. Execute, executed so poorly. And it, it's it's like going from the prime product to using a beta version of the product just yeah. because they're doing testing. Yeah, and look, I get it, you've got to test the market, but surely you would, like one, if I was at that meeting, I would have said that that is unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, if I had to make a guess too, maybe it's because of the sheer amount of usage that you have. They're like, these are the people that we can test on. Because number one, they use it the most. So if their usage drops significantly, then we know that we're on the wrong track. Number two, they might think that you're addicted to it and that you're just going to go on the platform anyway. Yeah, but taking away the pathway to keep users on board and add an obstacle that doesn't convert to sales. Yeah, but if you if they're... Uh, audience is already dwindling they've got to try something right like they've got to try to fix something yeah, make it better and that's what i guess so, they're trying no, to do well, but it's just really poor execution no, what i think they're doing is they're trying to make it better for the advertisers of course but that's the wrong focus absolutely focus on the user experience yep. and then figure out how to integrate the the brands yeah yeah they're doing it the wrong way around. It mm. sucks. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, I heard someone talking about this the other day where with YouTube, so I, I overheard you saying that shorts are so functional and they do extremely well yeah. and they do tend to match your account fairly well as well, yeah, but also giving you things some, some things outside it. And I don't think it's a coincidence that YouTube and Google are the same company and Google's got the best search algorithm that's out there and therefore that translates into YouTube and gives you a much totally. more seamless experience. Whereas Meta is literally dying in the ass. And I wonder if some of it is to do with, like, is, is anyone using the Metaverse? No. Like, no. 
So are they still working so hard on the metaverse that now Facebook and Instagram have become sort of secondary parts of the business which aren't the main focus? Yeah, but I've told you my theory about this before. Well, in the, in the John Carmack interview with Lex Friedman, yeah. he was talking about how uh, he was working for Oculus, which is a department of Meta, mm-hmm. and a bunch of other rolled in, um, rolled in companies. Yep are under a particular arm within Meta, mm-hmm. and their, their yearly budget was $10 billion. Yeah, it's insane. And Carmack was just, he was, he was like freaking out because he's like, he, he, he's worked in much smaller companies yeah. and he knows the value of a dollar. Yeah. And, but I, I don't think, and I've said this here, here before, maybe go back, I can't remember what episode it was, but I spoke about in depth, I think the metaverse is not designed to be a metaverse i think the metaverse is being designed as a as a platform to enable verbal to verbal language translation oh, which yeah. then can be used for verbal to computer language so mm-hmm. that you could build like a like a jarvis type thing from iron man mm-hmm. and the best way to do it is do it in the metaverse that's what i think that's about yeah i think that's a fascinating idea and probably pretty accurate. I mean, it's it is a great way for people to meet people online for a start. Like obviously the the ideal scenario for these social media companies is for us to not go outside anymore and spend all of our time in the digital world and to be able to speak to people all around the world in your native tongue is probably a pretty good way of travelling and having different experiences without yeah. actually learning a different language. I don't even think it's that. Because I don't I, I, I don't think I, I think the verbal to verbal is to solve the problem of verbal to software. Not ver, not ver, I don't think they're trying to be the Tower of Babel. Right. I think I think they're trying to be. I think they're trying to be able to create a an environment where or a program that can build where you can build software using English. Right. Yeah. Okay. I actually don't think. The value is in that user connection, and I, and look, maybe maybe they've realised that there's no more growth that they can do to integrate brands, mm-hmm. but that technology is extremely powerful. Where, yeah. where, because there's a massive barrier of entry, and I know this because I'm I'm involved in a fin, like a fintech company mm-hmm. that there is a very large struggle and disconnect between the way that you build a program the and the person the customer that uses it as well as the person with the vision to create. A product, yeah. There's I know three what different people talking three different languages. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it'd be awesome if the visionary could go, "Hey, computer, do blah 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 blah, and make it do this, 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 and this." And and okay, you know how that screen make that red? You know, yeah, no, to I, I totally, I totally agree with you because you're right. Like the visionary's got the idea in their head; they then have to translate that to the programmer yeah. who who translates his perception of that vision into programming language and then whatever has been put in place the the end user their interpretation of what's been put in front of them is is how they will use that system yeah, it's it's the bible in latin again yeah right it's, so is the metaverse really just the next level of um making sure you're not a robot and you know picking the pictures with the traffic lights in them, training AI to then move into doing No, I think it's just a tool that's used. It's a test environment mm-hmm. to create the real product. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, think of Iron Man. Yep. When he calls Jarvis up and Jarvis 
populates, like using augmented reality in, yep. into that world. We can't have that in with today's current technology. Yeah. So how about you build a digital world where you interface with it? Right, I get you. Yeah. Map out what it looks like mm. and then roll out the AR product next. Yeah. That's what I think. I could be I could be really wrong, but I just I I've sort of gathered this when I, I listened to an extended Zuckerberg interview, and there was it, it was like one sentence that he said. I was like, ah, okay, because the metaverse that makes no sense to me. Yeah. And and I'm a nerd. I'm mm. an absolute nerd. I think Web three. I've made the argument before that Web three is is uh, metaverse versus blockchain based mm. decentralized systems, and I am of the opinion. I'm ninety nine percent sure that Web three will be a blockchain blockchain decentralized thing and mm. not the metaverse. Yeah. But I think the Zuck has telling his investors that the metaverse is going to be the next thing. Get yeah. the money on board. So he can utilize that to make the more powerful thing, which is the ability for anyone in the entire world in any any language they want to create software. Yeah, wow. Wild, wild idea. Put that in the in the red book to yeah, you know we'll Alex's see. predictions. We'll see. Because he's not dumb. No, definitely not. Like no one builds a company as big, profitable, and influential as yeah. Meta, especially if, based as a dumb off a, off a um, application that rated chicks in college. Yeah. Well. It was always going to get a big user base. That's <laughs> a smart move. Sex yeah. sells, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of... Sorry to get really nerdy there, guys. That's all right. Let's, but I'm a nerd. Let's transition to some of the uh, fascinating news stories that have sort of come out this week. Because speaking of people who are running uh, essentially dictatorships, there was some interesting news that came out about our ex-commander-in-chief, ScoMo. Commander-in-chief and chief and chief and secondary chief and lieutenant and... Yeah. yeah, so this was a fascinating story, which it's it's only in its infancy infancy now. And put in the comments if I, I want, just put something in the comments to say that you've at least seen some of the news of it, because yeah. I don't think they've been talking enough about it. Yeah. But if you've seen something, let me know. So what the story is, during the pandemic, our ex-Prime Minister Scott Morrison went and got sworn in secretly to take either con- total or secondary control over extra portfolios that were never told to the people and were never even told to the chief ministers of those portfolios yeah. either. And those, well, at least the ones that we know about now are finance, health, and resources. I heard there was two more that were added. I, this morning's report said that there was five briefs, right. but they didn't list them out. And yeah, I, I heard something similar, but I didn't hear what the briefs were, but we at least know what those three were. And from something I did recently see, uh, there were extras, which when first quizzed on at ScoMo claimed that he did not recall. Isn't that the great gov- like government political yeah. line? I, I can't, don't recall. I can't wait to go to court. Oh yeah. So he didn't recall being sworn in on those other two. But then when quizzed about it again today, apparently had, like they said, that was for very good reasons. Now, why, why is this interesting? For a start, there, there's already been so much secrecy during Sorry, the last... I just had a skit playing in my head. I do not recall. Okay, go back and find out. Okay, yeah, I found out. Why, why'd you do it? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. I yeah. can't recall. Well, I remembered that I don't recall that. Well, it's it's even more comical than that because it's like, oh, I don't recall doing that, but if I did it, it was for the right reasons and there was justified yeah, cool. to do so, Yeah. right? Um, 
But yeah, so there was so much secrecy during the pandemic of at, at absolutely all levels in in government. And he claims that him being secretly sworn in to manage these portfolios, and these what was interesting about them was there are all portfolios that can bypass cabinet, which means if you're the chief minister, you just make decisions and go with it. You don't have to get it cleared by the rest of cabinet before right. you can put them in. Well, sorry, I, I thought the cabinet minister only had to report to the prime minister. That's right, yeah. So if you're both, he could just do whatever he wanted yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, he claims that he never exercised those powers at all, and the reason why he secretly took control over them is number one because there may have been times during the pandemic where he may have had to have exercised those powers number two he kept it secret from the people and also the actual cabinet ministers uh, because he thought that perhaps it could have been misconstrued as to his intentions behind them now why is this fascinating well, number one, it's complete and utter lack of transparency during a time that we needed to have more transparency than ever. Number two, there has been a theme all around the Western world during the pandemic where leaders use the pandemic to secure themselves more power. Mm. Most notably in Australia, we saw it with Dan Andrews in Victoria where he, he implemented those new pandemic powers, where he could literally declare a pandemic whenever he likes, declare a state of emergency, and it's just him. He can do whatever he wants. He's got that now. And we thought that was the big deal. He then got ScoMo, who, when you really think back over the last two years, he literally uh, claimed no responsibility for anything that was going on. Like, any decision that was made around lockdowns or mandates or whatever... He all said, oh, well, it's just the premiers and like, you know, the premiers mm. control what's happening. So all constantly deferred to health advice. Yeah. So it was, it was never his fault. Yeah. Never his fault. Never ne- his call. That's right. Never had to take responsibility for any of the decisions that were made. And yet secretly behind the scenes, he had all the power in the world to do whatever he wanted to do in the chief portfolios that were all centered around the pandemic. Obviously, number one, health. So all the health advice that he deferred to he was essentially a second health minister during this period of time, which if he didn't go and make any changes, that's fine. But that just means that everything was happening in the way that he wanted it to happen. Mm. So all it would have been is this, hey, Greg Hunt, you're the health minister. I need you to make sure we do this. Okay, cool. If Greg Hunt goes, oh, no, I don't think that's the right thing to do. Okay, no worries, Greg Hunt. And then he just goes and does it himself. But fortunately for him, he's such a good salesperson, he didn't even need to exercise the powers because he just manipulated everyone to get what he wanted in the first place. The news that came out this morning was that the... Uh, who was... Is it the Governor-General? Yeah. Is that who swore it, swore him in? Yeah. And they're like, why didn't you tell anyone that like the PM at the time had taken five briefs? And he's mm. like, it's not my job to tell anyone. Yeah. Like, oh, and I, I assumed that he would tell... His peers, you know, but that, uh, I suppose that's where the system's quite broken. I mean, in, in no, it seemed, even Barnaby Joyce had said in the interviews, like, that is not the way that we govern. That, well, that, that goes again. You're supposed to have cabinet ministers. Yeah. And having a cabinet, a cabinet minister will have a brief and the brief would then go to the prime minister and then they can yeah. make a decision. And if not, it would go to a um, cabinet hearing. Yep. Yeah. But it is, it is a wild 
but unsurprising. Mm. Like when uh, you know a person just corrupt as their options, and if yeah, he, yeah. he saw an uh, opportunity to go and give himself that yep. amount, and power, he grabbed it, and he hasn't given any. This is what I love. He's not willing to give any of them up mm. because it's not against the law what he's done. Yeah, and that's like, another theme too. Yeah, I like that. Well, it just has to be as long as it's not illegal. Yeah, it can it's be completely fine. immoral. Yeah, but as long as it's not illegal, they think it's okay. Yeah, and what I find interesting too is all these Western leaders in the last two years have bemoaned the attacks on democracy, and everyone like all over the world have been talking about how certain things are an attack on democracy, and yet at the exact same time, those same leaders have all secured themselves more power and therefore made their countries less democratic. Yeah. Like, the whole way that the Australian representative democracy system is supposed to work is we, the people, are supposed to vote in leaders to act in our best interests on our behalf. And if you don't even know the secret moves that have been made behind closed doors, that's not representative democracy. So you're happy that he's out then? Well, yes and no, because at the end of the day, we know how these things go. There's no accountability that's ever given, and because there's no accountability, it can happen again, and it will happen again. Well, I think Albo's gone to the courts to try and see what he can do about it. Yeah, and do you know what that'll end up looking like? It'll end up being uh, ScoMo put in the gulag, and then Albo will be like, oh, because the Liberal Party was such a risk to our democracy, we're actually banning the Liberal Party in Australia, and then it'll just be I, the Labor Party. I think you are not being fair... And I don't think, like, you've got to give Labor the ability, or you've got to give Albo the ability to make it right. He's All got I a know is to make it right. So don't don't say that. that's a very negative outlook. To well, say that put it this way: a lot of the negative outlooks that I and many other people have had during the pandemic have proven to be founded in in truth yeah, after the fact. There's a bad and, dude, and the bad dude's not in power anymore. And so that's let's, let's let except when you look at the fact that Albo is the national head of the Labor Party, and then you look at how the Labor premiers have handled themselves during the pandemic. Surely, someone who's the head of their party should have gone to him, and gone, "Hey, maybe that's not a good look for democracy, Dan." Maybe that's not a good look for democracy, Anastasia. He actually never did a side by side with Dan during. That he whole did. Movie. He reluctantly he did. did towards the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah imagine that. This fucking and Jake's guy. wake again. You keep riffing. Oh, riff! It's not even my subject. Yeah, well, think of something. So I, unlike Jason, I, I am a glass half full kind of guy. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that Albo's going to get in there and do whatever it is that he can do to uh, to make sure that this loophole within the system is closed. The worst thing he could do is just go and copy it and just do it for himself. But, you know, like I said, I've given him the benefit of the doubt. Um, and I think that's only fair. I think that's the only fair thing to do. This um this baby stuff is hard work, man. So I'm I've driven down from Brisbane. I've had coffee. I've had something to eat. Hung out with Dad. Did some shopping. Uh, running ran a couple of errands. And now I'm here, and we're only twenty minutes in or something, or thirty minutes in. I can't read the computer. And uh, and. He's got this kid stuff. Surely it's not that hard. 
what happened well, 200 years ago what would happen the kid would just like walked around and dealt with themselves if you're a parent post in the is Jason trying too hard as a parent I think yes so give us a thumbs up if you think yes give us a thumbs no if you think no that's you should completely and utterly pander to your child at all times <laughs> I can sound I can sound like this because I've got no kids so it's really easy for me to say and that's why I'll continue saying it because you know I can't be proven wrong and if you, if you are you're a bad person here he is so where are you up to, Alex? What, 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 were you, what was your key point? No, I was just teeing off about um, parenthood. Yeah, well, you know, this is this is the real life. This is not fantasy. Um, unfortunately, when you are a parent and you're trying to fit in work and your wife going to work and doing a podcast, like sometimes things aren't ideal. So I was going to keep rolling with it, warts and all here on the uh, on the pod. And I think he's about to wake up again. This is not going well, but that's okay. That's fine. Uh what I was going to say, obviously, you're not as pessimistic as I am about about these things, and that's that's fine. Yeah. I would I would say that a blend between the in the middle of sure. the two of us is probably the right way to go, which is why it's good to have two different uh, perspectives on it. But look around the world to the things that have happened to Western democracies during this period of time under the guise of trying to do the right thing. I think Ukraine's a good example. We were. We were marketed to all at the beginning of the Ukraine war about how Ukraine was this emerging democratic country that was just that were the oppressed by evil Russia, etc., etc. And six months and somewhere in the vicinity of hundreds of billions of dollars later, from the Western nations giving donations, there was a story that came out uh, not this week but the week before about how tensions between Volodymyr Zelensky and the Biden administration are strained because now they're concerned that there might be some corruption going on. Now, Zelensky, during the war, used it as an excuse to ban the opposition political party. Like, you heard about that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So there's there's one example. We've got a country that, under the guise of, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's defending democracy to help Ukraine. And then they went and did one of the most undemocratic things you could do and banned an opposing political party. And the Western world still donated the money after the fact. You've got... Just, sorry, just on that money donation thing, I listened to a podcast with an ex-CIA operative yep. that said that that money's not a, uh, not a gift, it's a loan. And, and mm. he illustrated that the, Briti- the Americans loaned to the British for World War II only just got finished paying off in 2020. Yeah, so that is another element to this which uh, is interesting because uh, I heard the same podcast. Yeah. So what Alex is referring to is the fact that uh, apparently the it's called what's the um what's the system called? I can't remember. It'll system come, of a down. It'll it'll come to me as we go. But system shock. No. Um, but there's a, there's an actual name for the agreement that has been reached where America don't like gives all of this money, but it isn't given. It is a loan and it needs to be paid back and they pay back interest on it. And that's another element of like the dodginess of everything that's going on with Ukraine is the more money America sends to them, the more in debt Ukraine is going to be to America. So what does that mean? America's basically going to own that country when all of this is over and, depending on how long the conflict uh, continues for, will be how long America then owns Ukraine for, because they'll be in, in, in complete debt to them after it, the fact. It'd be like a bank 
giving your mortgage on a house and then not letting you leave the house or ever do anything with the house or sell the house or yeah. just say, no, you got to stay in that house and just keep on paying your mortgage. That's and right. Oh, no, I want to move out and no, you stay in that house. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that, isn't it? Yeah. And because, I mean, I keep saying, where are the peace talks? Mm. And I know that that's what some of the people on the ground are saying in Ukraine is like, why aren't we talking about doing a deal? That's right. Where's the deal? What We're not talking about any of that. We're just talking about drones and yep. this and that. Yeah, more weapons, more, fighting, more money, more, more fighting. That's right. I'm watching um, uh, Band of Brothers again. Yeah, yeah. And it's probably like the fifth time through. Great series. Dude, it, and it makes me like, I get very emotional watching it. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about great men, like these men, two years of like two or three years of training for like the ones that were prepared to go to war, yeah. no training for the ones that weren't. Mm. And most of them didn't think they were going to survive the first day that they Mental. went. Living in trenches. Yeah. You know, like um, it is. And then you think about, you think about what they went through mm. and it puts it contextualizes a lot of today's issues yeah and this is this is why so many people have said about so many of today's issues we need a war like well i think no i, I don't i think i'd rather just everyone watch band of brothers <laughs> yeah because that's lot, best case scenario die, and then but then the be- sentiment behind that statement is that Things in the Western world are so safe that we find other dangers where there there aren't any real ones. Yeah, I think there's something built into the human psyche that, yeah. that needs peril um, to balance positivity. But it's not necessarily that it needs peril. It's just that the hardest thing that you've ever done is the hardest thing that you've ever done. Yeah, true. Right? True. So if you've never had to do anything difficult in your entire life, yeah. being told that you're not doing a good enough job at the workplace where you're literally not doing a good enough job will seem like the worst thing in the world. It'll seem like going to war, you know, because yeah. that's where your stress threshold is at. That's so funny that you use that as an example because a friend of mine just got a job where she manages a big team mm. and uh, this this particular team member had negotiated a deal where where she doesn't have to work on Wednesdays so she can do housework because she can't fit the housework in on Saturday and Sunday. So she gets Wednesday off, yep. but she's supposed to do some work. And because my friend had sent like various emails about jobs that hadn't been done, she's yep. like, you send too many emails and that's not cool. Yeah, like you're, you're bullying me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So what's that, uh, what's that sentiment we're speaking about? Well done. Just got a mozzie. Uh, the other week about people getting soft, and I think that's what I'm talking about. It's the hu- like. Yeah, it's not you- that people are necessarily soft. It's just that they are not used to having to do anything that's actually difficult. Yeah, Therefore, they find simple things difficult. One of the episodes I watched last night, there was a soft guy. The the, the um they got hit by a shell and he got shell shocked and he couldn't see anymore. Yeah. Pussy. So that's just like what this chick feels like in the office. Pussy. <laughs> but it 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 was. The the message I get out of it is we should never ever ever get to a situation where we do that again yeah and we we as a people should not accept that like that's what our government is is actively promoting war by just sending money to fund the ukraine war and not saying hey this money comes with the caveat that we need to do peace talks they are promoting that yeah and we as a democratic society we are supporting it there should be a neutral zone between the two and there should be a mystery box that is 
funded by all the parties uh, who have been giving money. Yeah. And it's like, you guys do a deal, you can have the contents of the box. Yeah, but that's the joke. Ukraine was supposed to be the neutral zone. Yeah. But when the Western world tried to convert it into their side, that's when this whole thing started. Yeah. Uh, how far, what are we into it now? I can't read that from here. Uh, we're about 36 minutes in, so we've got plenty of time. And it looks like Jake's starting to behave himself. Because I've got something for conspiracy con too. Oh, let's go. Can you do some research? While I started off, can you pull your phone out? I like how you've got something that you want to talk about, but you haven't researched it yet. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no, no because it'll be more organic if it's done this way. Mm-hmm. Now, now, the reason why I have done nothing is because I, it was on a phone call. It was a theory from a friend of mine. Right. Can you research... Who the largest stakeholders of Uber? Who are the largest investors in Uber? Mm-hmm. And I have not this is I've not had this confirmed because we're going to uncover this live, live on air, mm-hmm. if it fits with what he thinks and I tend to agree with. Well, let me let me ask you this: What does your theory say? Because I've got the answer here. No, tell me the companies first, and then I'll and then I'll do it. Well, the largest investor who owns a five point one three percent stake, which is over a hundred million shares, is the Vanguard Group. Okay, who else? Who else? Give me like the. Is there a top five? So the top four is uh, the second one is Fidelity Management and Research Company. Mm-hmm. Next one is Morgan Stanley's, and the next one is BlackRock. So big investment companies. Massive investment companies. Yeah. Further on down the line, has it got more? Do we, how far do we have to go to, to I just want to theory? see if it triggers... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, that kind uh, of... Does. Jenison Associates, LLC, Morgan Stanley Investment Management is in there again. I don't know why they'd be separate. SSGA Funds Management, Fisher Asset Management, Capital Research and Management, Clearbridge Investments. So they're all investment firms. Okay. So his theory was, you know, we're talking about the um, Klaus Schwab, yeah. uh, own nothing, be happy. Yeah. And we know that BlackRock in particular, and Fidelity, I think, is another big player in there who's trying to buy all the properties. Vanguard is too. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. So, all, so all those all those same guys are buying all mm. the properties available in America to yep. then rent back to people. Yeah, and they'll never sell them, which will jack up the cost of rents and properties too. Now, they're also large, the largest stakeholders in Uber, mm. a company that is a transport solution. Yep. So, are they going to own everything? So, by the looks of it, are they going to own your the place that you live and the way that you get to work? And where the concern was, because that doesn't sound too bad, right? Where the concern was is like, what if, what if um, Uber now has so now all your data is held on a phone by these companies? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if your work's carbon footprint was too big? Like, as in you you drove too far because mm. all that data is now sent to these these mm-hmm. these entities yep what if you drive too far can they just turn your app off and say well you're not allowed to travel anymore yeah so this is this it's funny that you've been talking about this because this is a concern that everyone's got about digital id because it's all going to be linked and it is also interesting that you've brought this up because you've just reminded me of a massive story that i only heard about over the last few days in regards to one of these other massive uh Monopoly companies, which is Amazon. Have you heard about all of the companies that Amazon has recently acquired? Yeah. So Amazon... What's that? Roomba. Yeah. Uh, Uh, The the door lock. What the... the Ring. Ring. Yeah, the Ring security cameras. So Amazon 
when you consider it, uh, Amazon already knows what their consumers buy, and that's food and products. They've then gone and bought a whole bunch. You of... know, that's not the only data too. Like, like. So oh no, of course not. But, but the stuff that you got to look at another level. Down, it's purchase habits. Yep. It's times when when things are purchased. It's yep. What uh, like how they what advertising was used to get to the, yeah. that purchase time the way they pay yeah. where it gets delivered to mm-hmm. you know yeah frequency but, yeah but the staggering companies that they have purchased are all companies that could work in cohesion with them with each other so they purchased the Ring security company so if anyone doesn't know what a Ring is a Ring is a security system it's like the cameras that go in your on your front door yep. and record all the footage now amazon has also announced that on amazon plus or whatever their streaming service is they are doing a video show of ring security camera footage have you heard about that no so they're, they're putting out a petition to people going oh like it's like funniest time video show but for ring security camera footage yeah cool so they get to monetize the product that you have bought off them exactly yep uh, and also, there will be so many things written into the agreements that you just hit accept on when you send your data. It'll literally be like, we can use all of your security camera footage from this day forth, Yeah, right? Um, so they bought that. They bought a health insurance company. I don't know which company it was. They bought a an online pharmaceutical warehouse. So sort of like Amazon, but for pharmaceutical yeah. drugs. They bought, what else did they buy? Like the Roomba one as well. So, well, the Roomba one I think is the most interesting one because they've they've bought it so they can map your house. Yeah, that's right. So Roomba, if you don't know what they are, Roomba are those little electronic um, self-driving vacuum cleaners which just have a bunch of sensors on them. So what, like, when you think about that infrastructure, you've literally got a massive multinational company who is going to know the layout of your house. They're going to see what time you enter and leave your house and any other visitors that you have. They'll have facial recognition technology so they know exactly who's been They've there. They've already got that because they, yep. they use it. Um, they sell a product to the C, uh, to the CIA. That's right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they will know. So they'll have a health insurance company where you'll go and get health insurance from. They'll Your health insurance company will know what your medical record is. So then they will be marketing to you drugs from their pharmaceutical company. But also at the same time, they'll also know what... I think um, it's not Uber Eats, but one of the other food delivery like services DoorDash they just bought. Or, DoorDash or something. Yeah. So they'll also know that if you've got health insurance and you say you're... You know, you're obese or you've got diabetes or something like that. and But then they know what you're ordering from DoorDash. They will know, well, hey, sorry, you've ordered too many cheeseburgers this week. Yeah. And therefore, you've ha- even though you've had a heart attack, we're not paying out. You'd be uninsurable. Oh, I'd be absolutely uninsurable. Yeah. There's a reason why I don't have private health insurance. <laughs> uh, it's it, it, That is the scary stuff. And what you were saying before, how the theory is where... You know, it is. It does go towards Klaus Schwab's visit, a vision of "we'll own nothing and we'll be happy" in quotation marks. It is. It is a scary thought. Yeah, but see, I, I counter it with. So I do think that's happening. I yeah. do genuinely think that there are that 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 all sense tends to stack up to what obviously the old institutions think is going to be the future. Yeah. Because I'm so balls deep into the crypto world, mm-hmm. the decentralized like. Amazon, Vanguard, BlackRock, they're mm-hmm. all trying to centralize everything. Yeah. But you've got this new 
new asset class that's out there. Yep. That's not the size, like it's probably a tenth of the size of the existing one. Yep. But it's growing mm-hmm. every, every four years at 10Xs. Yep. Uh, you've got them pushing for decentralized. So there mm-hmm. is going to be a battle in the coming years yeah. of centralized versus decentralized. Yeah. And once people realize the benefits of decentralization, mm-hmm. it it will win. Then these guys might know it's not going to yeah. win. So they, they're trying to get as big and big and big and big as they possibly can now. Yeah, and that's that's the scary thing is like... Don't buy a ring, by the way. Don't buy a no, ring. absolutely not. But that is what is, is that, scary. Is that connected to Wi-Fi? Uh, you know, is I there an account set up? No. So is it a... Oh, someone's jerking off looking at Jake right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You see, I would monetize that myself. Yeah. I'd like to set up a website landing page very cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Payment gateway. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, But that's the scary thing. And and that's what makes you wonder if all of these big companies and big monopolies are pushing forth as quickly as they possibly can, because they know it's the battle between what they're doing and the decentralization. And they're literally trying to cut off your access to any product that you need to survive if you then choose to go down the decentralization route. So that's where things like the uh, digital ID and social credit scores become a scary factor because all it takes is for the governments to go, oh, anyone who uses crypto, well, your social credit credit score is zero. Therefore, you can't use any of these other services. But I think that's I think it's done its dash already. I don't think they can they can come, no no Western government's going to regulate. They've already chosen to be with it. They had the chance to quash it and they haven't. What are you and talking about? Are you talking about cryptocurrencies? Yeah. No, but they are, they've realized that you can't get rid of it, but they're just trying to take control of it. So that's why you've got central bank digital currencies that governments are trying to produce. So, no, but, but, but uh, to ca- the only way your argument stands is if governments, if governments get rid of it. And the only way that they can... They could have got rid of it. China could have got rid of it. Mm-hmm. China like, like stamped it out. You know? yep. No mining, no yep. exchanges, stopped, bam, yep. done. You, yep. know, you get caught with it, you go to, you know, join yep. the Uyghurs. Mm-hmm. But Western countries mm-hmm. uh, have let it go, which means that there is going to be a relatively fair battle and it'll be up to the people. I think you are very optimistic to say it'll be a relatively fair battle. Like, if, you've, if we've learned anything over the last two years, as well as over just the start of this conversation about ScoMo's power grab... All it takes is they're manufacturing another crisis to to take more steps towards dic, you know dictatorships. But it's not gonna it's not gonna matter if you're outside of the system. It and is the, if if because like let me give you an example. You're saying there's going to be a relatively fair battle, and eventually everyone's going to realise that going decentralised is not everyone, but, but the majority, enough people to make it a sustainable ecosystem are yeah. going to realise. What I'm concerned about is we've had an example in the last two years of there was a certain percentage of the population who was saying do a certain thing and there was a certain percentage say don't do a certain thing. 95% of our country went out and did that thing mm-hmm. and we're only finding out now that not only does it not do the thing that it was supposed to do mm-hmm. but it's potentially detrimental. Yep. Which is the fear about this is obviously you've got the key players trying to control a current ecosystem moving as quickly as they possibly can, while simultaneously 95% of the people, at least in our country, because I didn't realise how soft and stupid Australians were Mm -hmm. until the last two years, uh, 
it's going to be very difficult to turn things around when 95% of the infrastructure is already locked up. But I would say that the... Oh, I, I agree with you. Mm. I do agree with you. And and honestly, if if you're stuck in that system, like you've only got yourself to blame. You know, mm. if, if, you, if, you're, if you're allowing these external, uh, f- forever more centralised companies to be your lifeblood, mm-hmm. then you shouldn't be surprised when that doesn't work for you. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not and, saying that that's what I'm doing. I'm being mindful of the fact that that's what the large percentage yeah, of yeah, the country yeah, yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I can, only, I can only do what I can only say and I can only uh, 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 talk about where there are opportunities on of the course. fringe here. Yeah. And I can tell you, you know, during this whole thing, crypto did uh, help me. Mm-hmm. Decentralized systems did help yep. during, that, during that period. And most people that were stuck in a centralized, top-down hierarchy, mm. they fared the worst. And if you so want if to you look didn't at, the... see that as an example of why that system is broken, yeah, and you haven't looked for the alternatives to that, mm-hmm. well, that's on you. But that's that's the difficult thing. Ninety percent of the people who are in taking part in that broken system are convinced that they don't even have to look outside. Yeah, and they can stay there. They can stay there. That's fine. Just yeah. don't, you just but don't just, me. I'll be, uh, I'll be on a beach somewhere. Yeah, if you want a, a, a reason to invest in crypto and have a little bit of money sitting there, just look at China at the moment. The Chinese people cannot access their own money out of the banks. The military is literally in the streets protecting the banks because the money's not there. Yeah. As long as you're rich enough, the government's going to give you your money back. But if you're under 50,000 won, you're not getting your money back. Yeah. Yeah, um, but, but like even even to talk about that health insurance thing. So you've mm-hmm. got Amazon going and buying uh, buying health insurance. Yep. And look, I'm sure these new players they come in and they offer the cheapest insurance. You know, mm. we've seen supermarkets, supermarket chains in all, in the in the recent years get into the car insurance game. You know, yeah, never going the Amazon before. route, yep. getting into things that they have no expertise in, yep. but trying to own as much of the total market as they can. But the smart the smart individuals out there are finding the uh, insurance is actually the perfect thing to be centralised in that you could have a decentralised autonomous organisation where anyone that wants to partake and profit from uh, an insurance product, mm-hmm. we could all pitch in. Because that's all, all, the, all an insurance company is, is a, is a subscription model where a large amount of money goes into a pot. Yeah. And then a hopefully smaller amount of money comes out of the pot that's, that's right. paid to the people that need the insurance. Yeah. So that's <laughs> at, at, at the, the, the nuts and bolts of it. That's what insurance is. Well, one person doesn't need to do that. And if we, we could all, effectively, we could all pitch in and add our funds to a, to a, um, a decentralized autonomous organization that mm-hmm. is digitally paid out for people that, that um, want to make it, and we could profit from it as individuals. There's yeah. no reason why that product can't happen. It's not around yet, Yeah. but I'll give the tip. There'll be people working on it right now. Sorry, you. I don't know if you just um, mumbled or misspoke, but at the beginning of it, you said insurance is the perfect thing that should be centralized. You meant oh, I mean decentralized. decentralized. Yeah, 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 cool. yeah, I meant decentralized. Yeah, 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 decentralized. Yeah, no, you're right. You're and, right. And look, I, I could be... I, I keep banging on about it, mm. but you know what did Michael say? He's like he's he's bought the website hope.com and okay. it's about Bitcoin. It's purely about Bitcoin. Yeah, because a lot of these, like we keep saying it, centralized power, centralized power, yeah. centralized power. Well, what's what's the opposite of centralized? Yeah, decentralized. decentralized. And you know, talk about power of the people. 
Yep. Well, there is a digital power of the people platform called blockchain. Yeah, that's right. Hey guys, like how how much more can I say it? Yeah, if you if you've not seen enough in the last two years to go and involve yourself in a decentralized system, I don't know what's going to change your mind. And speaking of, can we segue to the next topic? Yeah, but thank you, thank you for uh, that. That uh, we ha- we need to keep an eye on uh, Uber, and I want to see if there's an ESG target put on Uber's users in the coming. Uh, um, like in the future to, yeah. to say well it'll be an ESG target put on Uber itself which will then be passed on to their customers correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. and then they'll say something like okay well Tuesdays the, you know you can't ESG is environmental social governance by the way like I wonder if the cities will 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 make it impossible for a Uber to go into a particular time uh, sorry into a particular neighbourhood particular time yeah yeah and it'll be the high affluent areas yeah, you think about that. It's like you could be like if you if you're in the most prestige part of London. Imagine if you could switch the traffic off. Yeah, well, look, this this is a theme that is all throughout the current climate change movements. Like with things like buying electric cars, all you're doing is you're moving your carbon emissions from your car and therefore your area to a power plant down the road. Mm. Same as if you look at Australia, we're like, oh, transitioning away from coal, but we're still happy to sell all of our coal to China. So as long as they burn it overseas... It's going to get burnt. Yeah, yeah, like it's still getting burnt. We're still contributing to climate change by doing that. But it's just moving it the problem away from yep. you so you can feel better. It's like people who want to buy iPhones or Nikes. Like, we want them to be really, really affordable. Therefore, they need to be put together by essentially slave labour. But as long as it's in a country where it's out of sight, out of mind, we're all cool with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, that. that's an overarching thing. Um, look, I wanted to take some time to briefly speak about something that is interesting, which has only come out in the last week or so, which is uh, an actual study on adverse events from Pfizer vaccines done out of Thailand. And I'm not going to get into the nitty and the gritty and the details of the study, but there is a, a key point on this study that I want to focus on, which goes back to your... Uh, overall theme of this episode of getting away from centralized systems Mm. because the centralized systems have failed us. So this study out of Thailand, they, it was a prospective, so not a retrospective study on vaccine adverse events in males between the age of 13 and 18. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so essentially what they did was this, when you would show up to get your vaccination, they would ask you if you wanted to be part of the trial. If you said yes, they would then do, um, they would give you the vaccine and then they would actually do tests and follow-up. What a novel idea, right? We did follow-up here. The follow-up was, hey, I've got a problem with this. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Oh, if you tell you, if your doctor lodges that complaint, they're gone. Yeah. Um, But that's what's fascinating about this. So this is the first study of its kind since these vaccines were launched. The vaccines have been out for almost two years now. Mm. December 2019 Mm. was when Joe Biden got his jab. (laughs) On TV. Yeah. Jab. Jab, yeah. Yeah, in his office. Office. Yeah, yeah. Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, so this is is insane. So, this is the first time this has ever been done where we actually took real-world people, jabbed them, and then did tests on them. So, they're testing for things like elevated troponin levels and things that would risk, uh, not risk, things that would indicate... Uh, elevated risk of like heart conditions, myocarditis, pericarditis, all all the things that we have seen anecdotally throughout 
the pandemic and throughout the vaccine rollout more specifically. All I want to focus on is this. It is almost two years into these, this vaccine rollout and no Western country has done this. Mm. The CDC said that they would be doing this in America and then from Freedom of Information Act requests recently asking for that data, they literally just emailed back going, we haven't done it. It's the opening it's, scene from The Big Short. We did what no one else, yeah. uh, no one else did. We looked. We looked. That's right. Yeah. And unfortunately, there was only three hundred people in this trial, and uh, out. So, like, obviously, it's hard to extrapolate out to real world data when you've only got three hundred people mm. in the trial. But one of the things that has come through is the isn't inc- that bigger than the original Pfizer trial? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But um, it wasn't two hundred and eighty. No, no, that was the one on young young children. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. Also, okay, so it was bigger than the child trial. That's right. The one that we're currently pushing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. we, remember, TGA has approved the jab for six-month-old yeah, kids yeah. in Australia. Yeah. And the Moderna one that's got the higher mRNA content yeah. in it. Um, but what is, what is scary is that out of the trial data, so out of the 300 people, the incidence of what they call preclinical myocarditis, because one of the biggest problems, in my opinion, about... They're like, oh, we've seen less as- less adverse events in young children. Yeah, because they don't fucking know. Yeah. So they don't know what that their heart's not supposed to be running that high yeah. or that they're, they're not feeling well. They can't go and put in an adverse event report online. Yeah. Um, so the incidence of, I think it was myo, it was either myo or peri or both, but call it heart inflammation in this trial was 3.5%. Which is four times higher than what was shown in the Pfizer trials that then they used to grant emergency use declar- um, status in America, which then our Australian TGA said was the best available data to do a provisional approval in Australia. But three and a half percent of these kids have experienced some form of heart inflammation. Right. It's staggering. Like, when you consider the fact that overall, from what we've seen from the data, COVID doesn't really affect children that poorly at all and yet we are giving them something that in a very small data set three and a half percent of them have shown uh pre-clinical uh heart inflammation which is no small thing no we have normalized uh heart inflammation in this country and in all the western world i i guarantee this go to your doctor next time and be like do you want your kids to have heart inflammation yeah they'll probably say no yeah right yeah because it's not a good thing the one thing that I do, the one good thing that I get out of this is that there will be more study. I'm sure there's studies being done right now. Yeah. It's, it's going to be easier for that information to come out as time goes on. Absolutely. Except the fact that it's too late for such a large percentage of the population, sure. which never should have happened. And you and I both know, because we've discussed this previously in the podcast, that all the key players who were involved in implementing these things are all just jumping out of the system before they're pushed. There will be no accountability, which means it will happen again. But hopefully, you guys who are listening to this show, you guys won't get fooled next time. And I need to go because I've got an appointment to go to. All right. And I don't know. Let's leave it there. Cheers, guys. See you next week. Bye.